Hi, I'm Ann DeLisi. And I'm Chef James Regalo. And in episode 20 of Essential Cooking, we talk with Tom Becker of Sunseed Farm in Ann Arbor about hoop houses, what they are, how to install one, and what they can do to extend your food growing season. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hello, Ann. <laughs> it's good to Hello, see Tom. you. I was just telling you guys before we got on the air here that I was doing some research and gardening in 2020 went up like 43% around the country. People suddenly decided, oh, I want to grow my own food, whether they thought they weren't going to have enough of it, which people are kind of freaked out about that about a year ago right now, or they wanted a hobby or they wanted to connect with the earth, or it's just really gratifying to put a seed in the ground and watch it turn into food, like at the very least. So Tom, let's talk about what a hoop house is. So sometimes when I say I have a hoop house, it's like a greenhouse yeah. or a hoop house, and there's a difference. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, normally people think of a greenhouse, they think of a solid wall structure with glass, polycarbonate mounted in, you know, it's in concrete. A hoop house is just a, a simpler version of that. We've got steel bows that we put up on somebody's farm or in their yard. We pull plastic over it. it means so it's curved. You, we should tell you it's like, it's got a curve. Yep. yep. It's curve. either a big circular bow or it's right. kind of in the Gothic shape. Basically, it's a it's a usually a passive solar greenhouse that so people are able to capture light from the sun, turn it into heat, and keep growing food all all year round in one of these structures. So, and Nifty Hoops uh, had quite a year last year. I mean, you guys were pretty busy. I'm assuming that you're seeing a cross between obviously commercial farming that needs your you know needs your services, but also the the backyard farmer gardener. I mean, you put up a, you guys did my hoop house last summer. I'm assuming that you are just as busy this coming season as well. Yeah, I mean, last year was a was our best season ever. We built more hoop houses than we ever had. Uh, I think people have always had a, a great reason to enjoy local fresh food. You know, be it conservation, quality, health reasons. Um, last year, people started to want to bring their sourcing closer to home, and so. It was a little tenuous there. People weren't really sure if they were going to be able to have food from afar. And so, um, you know, wanted to start to grow their own food and also develop more local connections. So not just backyard growers, but more connections between local farms and grocery stores and restaurants as well. Now, it's interesting because, you know, Ann, you mentioned Sunseed Farm. And, you know, you're, I would say you're like, you're, you're kind of on pause as a farmer. I mean, you have an incredible background in farming. I met Tom uh, at, when I was at The Root, and we had a great relationship, and we still do. But I, we, with a business to business, I mean, we purchased a lot of produce from Sunseed Farm. And it was one of the one of my favorite farms I've ever been to. It was a pretty utopian as far as visiting. Um, how was that as a farmer to watch kind of this, like, appreciation of local foods. I mean, cause you know, we, we championed that and it was a small slice of the population. I think that cared, but you're seeing when to see a record year for gardening, a record year for planting, a record year for hoop houses. How do you feel as a farmer watching the public say, Oh, wait a second, you know, local food does matter. I'm nervous. Grocery stores are running out of food. Maybe I should have cared a while ago. Like, how do you feel? I love it. I mean, there's no great loss without small, some small gain. Right. Yeah. You know, and my hope is that, people get a taste of the good stuff and they keep with it. Yeah, great answer. Yeah. So Tom, you have become, I would imagine, an educator now. Like uh, you're probably teaching people how to grow their food because people that haven't grown their food before are like, okay, I'm going to start growing my food. How do I even start? Yeah, and we we talk with growers all the time, be it people that are just getting started or established growers that are working to develop more protected cultivation and year-round production Growing in a hoop house is, is quite a bit different than growing outside, especially once you start to look at 
growing through the deep winter in a place like Michigan in uh, in an unheated hoop house. Let's talk about that. So one of the great things about having a hoop house is it does extend the growing season. So you can grow things further into the season. But I want you to talk a little bit more in depth about how that works and what kinds of things you can grow. And if you don't have a heated hoop house, although I will say, if you want to lose weight in the summer, wrap yourself in cellophane or saran wrap and go sit in the hoop house and you will drop five pounds like that. It's so much in the ground doesn't really freeze in there ever. Um, It's a pretty miraculous thing that something so simple looking can have such an ecosystem right inside of it. But can you talk about the growing season and how people could plan for that, having a hoop house? Sure, yeah. So it's I guess it's a little bit inaccurate to call them an unheated yeah. <laughs> hoop house because they're certainly they heated by their the own sun. Heat, yeah. yeah, and so um, it's, it's funny, though, because things don't really grow, per se, in the wintertime. Um, they essentially go into stasis, consider it a, a big living refrigerator that you can walk inside. Yeah. So, um, you know, things that you're growing and looking to harvest in the midwinter, you're planting those in late summer, early fall, so that they start to grow, really get to maturity before December rolls around. Because once December rolls around, the the amount of sunlight that we're actually getting in those Mm -hmm. hoop houses in in the wintertime isn't enough to have them grow. Um, Things really start to come around again in February, and, and we can replant. So, you know, things like Kale, Swiss chard, collard greens, things like that. We're planting actually in August, which is always so strange when you're <laughs> seeding them in July. Um, you know, you haven't even you're, you're still cultivating your your spring vegetables in the field, but you know, here you are planting for winter time. Mm-hmm. So, you really, we have August through October that we're planting for a for a midwinter harvest. Things are growing up. We're protecting them with you know different covers within the hoop house, and then we're harvesting really amazing food. These plants have a great way of protecting themselves against freezing temperatures by concentrating sugars in their cells, which acts like an antifreeze. So although they appear to be frozen solid, and they really are, their cells actually haven't frozen and ruptured. As a result, and James, you know this, the the food that you harvest out of a hoop house in the wintertime is so sweet. I think I brought you a bag of spinach stems one time that were one time that were just like candy. You know, and so it's it's amazing. It's true, and I think that's that's what's fun about having a diverse garden or farm is that field crops versus you know hoop house, for, you know versus greenhouse or overwinter. There's so much flavor difference. Like I remember you brought me broccoli once that was so spicy, it was like my, my, my like it like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. But then you know, I mean, you, you were used to tasting broccoli being almost like cabbage, like it's so it's which obviously it's in the same family, but it's so tame. But depending on how it's grown, and I think you know you talked about that with me a lot was. When I first visited Sunseed, I said, well, what do you do about, do about pest control? And you looked at me and you said, well, we don't call them pests. And I thought that was, <laughs> that was such a great answer. But I think that, you know, maybe that broccoli was, uh, you know, had to create a, an immune system to kind of fight off, you know, the, the bugs or the beetles that were on it. And it, then therefore it had a spicier tone to it. Or, you know, maybe it was, you know, you tell I me, mean, you tell me. But I think that where and how and when you plant really affects flavor. And that's what makes it exciting, I think, for for the harvesting side is that you can see that directly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of industry term is pest and disease management. We would call them animals and pathogens, you know, that are there on your farm. Any stressor that a plant encounters, is it's going to have a its own immune system, its own body's going to be able to deal with that in one way or another. And a lot of these chemicals that plants produce in their own bodies to ward off, you know, insects and, and pathogens are going to create wonderful flavors for us to enjoy. 
a lot of people would taste that spicy summer broccoli and think, what is this? <laughs> Somebody like you who knows how to work with flavors is going to be able to use that to make something really delicious. Oh, I wish I could order it regularly. I wish I could be like, Tom, give me the spicy <laughs> broccoli. <laughs> but, I, but it's also fun to, to adapt and yeah, season season accordingly. So I think that's, that's kind of, you're kind of giving good advice here indirectly, but telling people that like lean into the changes that your yard and farms and farmers produce, because that's kind of the exciting part about cooking that food is that you're never cooking, you know, summertime spinach versus the winter spinach. You know, maybe you want to eat that winter spinach very gently, if not at all cooked. Whereas summer spinach is so plentiful, you know, yeah, that's the time to make a pesto with it or lasagna or whatever. But maybe that really sweet spinach, you should like nurture it and, you know, do something, treat it like a garnish, you know, or eat it individually. I think that's, that's, that's something important that a lot of people, you know, can tap into. So... WDET celebrates 75 years of public radio with gratitude to our dedicated listeners. Listeners like you cherish community voices, local music, and independent journalism. This spring fundraiser, we're counting on your support, just as you count on us. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap Donate in the mobile app. So, Tom, if somebody wants to start... Like, this is always the hard part for folks, you know? It's like, okay, I think I want to do this, and how do I start? So talk about the first steps that you take if you want to have a hoop house. I mean, they can obviously come to you and say, come and put up a hoop house at my house. (laughs) What is that like, and what is that process like if somebody wants you to come out and build a hoop house on their property? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You know, we look for a nice flat spot. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be level or anything like that. We can we can work with a lot of different sites, but we come out and build a hoop house for you. And, you know, I'm usually talking with new growers about how they can best prepare their soil. So talk about that. Yeah. Do you so, do? Um, you know, first thing is breaking that sod, you yeah. know, one way oh, or that's another. that's so fun. That's hard. Yeah. That's so, part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people might uh, choose to, instead of, you know, working it up mechanically to put a tarp over it for, you know, some months in the summer years to kill the, to kill the grasses. Otherwise you'd be flipping that over with a rototiller or you could be in there with, you know, digging forks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one thing that's really important in a, if, if it's in your yard is to really work that soil deeply you know, plant roots go down really, really deep, a lot deeper than you might think they do. And so do the insect life and the microbial life and the oxygen that plants need, the oxygen that the soil the soil ecosystem needs to thrive. So getting a digging fork or you can get one of the nice big broad forks to really kind of fracture mm-hmm. that soil down deeply. Um, you know, and then also bringing in some really good fresh compost. Um, we've got quite a few good sources here in southeast Michigan for high quality compost. Um, you know, being liberal with that, getting it in there deeply. Um, there's quite a few good opportunities for people to get their soil tested and kind of understand what mm-hmm. micronutrients they might need to add. Um, and then as far, you know, take it from there, kind of start to use your imagination about what you want to plant. We have some resources on our website at niftyhoops.com, which will t- talk to you about, you know, when to plant things, the spacing at which to plant them, you know, when to seed them, how to, I know how to put them in plug trays and get them ready for right. the season. So yeah, it's a lot of conversations just about little nuances. How long does it take you guys to put one up? We finish them in a day. So you're out there for one day and then life is completely different after that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, instant hoop kind of yeah. thing sometimes. And <laughs> it's, it's, pretty great. it's pretty amazing to see someone's life change while you're there. 
because they didn't have it before, and now they suddenly have this this wonderful greenhouse. It must they, look pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. How how uh, how um, booked out are you? So if someone's like, I want one now. How bu- how booked out are you? We're booked out through through the summertime yeah. right so now. So if someone calls so. Nifty Hoops today, they're not getting one until maybe the fall. fall? Yeah, late yeah. summer, fall. Okay. So yep. keep that keep that in mind. If you, if you want a hoop house, plan now. But that's also not bad news because, like you said, you could kill your grass this summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get it prep, ready. Prep that soil and you know f- just figure out the dimensions of your hoop house because yeah. that was by far the hardest part. And I enjoyed it, but I mean it was work to it's, get that soil. It's a one time enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> so you only have to enjoy that one time. Yeah, right? it's it's a little bit, you know, it's a little nervous making planting a bunch of yeah. spinach or salad greens into freshly tilled ground because you get a bunch of weeds. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good time to get that soil ready, kind of work out some of those weed seeds before you plant. So Tom, once you've had a hoop house for a few years, for instance, or a couple years, um, how do you? What's the best way to take care of the soil that's inside the hoop house? So one thing that you know a lot of folks encounter, uh, especially those who are watering with well water or applying compost, you know, often is climbing pH levels. So the soil becomes more and more alkaline as years go on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that, you know, organic growers use to use to kind of bring that pH back down. What do you do? Um, well, there's, you can use elemental sulfur, which is just basically mm-hmm. looks like a whole bunch of little match heads. You right. know, it's like yellow <laughs> sulfur that you sprinkle on the soil and that right. creates a, an acidic, uh, you know, chemical that kind of helps to bring down the, the pH a little bit more. What does, um, uh, what does, um, like ash do, like ash from like a, you know, like a fireplace. Because I mean, don't, I've read before that you can take like burnt, you know, ash from your fireplace or maybe it's a bonfire outside and you fold that into your soil. So that's going to do the opposite. That's the opposite. So that's yeah. alkaline. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if you have highly acidic soil, that makes sense. But if you have high alkaline soil, you want to add more acid. Correct. So you should test your soil every year or it's a good idea. Get it yeah. tested. Are there kits or something? How does that work? Yeah, you can take a soil sample and bring it down to any MSU extension office and yeah. they'll, you know, test have you pack soil. it up in a little cardboard box and send it off. Yeah. And tell, and tell you what you need to do and then you can have yeah. a more successful growing Yeah, there's also Morgan's composting. They they do some they do soil testing and you know, they'll actually as far as I know make up a little custom nutrient blend for you. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. that's pretty yeah, cool. M- MSU is oh. a pretty cool resource too. I mean, MSU as a college, I think we're, we're lucky to have their, oh, we are. their farming sure. program. I mean, I think you were a graduate of MSU. Am I correct? Yeah. I went to school for English. Lit, so <laughs> that keeps me, to, keeps me talking but and thinking, but didn't you teach Am I crazy? Did you teach there? Yeah. I worked yeah. as the production manager there for a few okay, years gotcha. and that was a, it's a, it is still a wonderful program. Now it's a, it's a one day a week on the farm. Um, really intensive program where you're learning everything from business management to soil ecology. And that's one thing that's really wonderful about being a professional farmer is that you get to do everything on top yeah. of those things that I mentioned, but also, you know, tractor mechanics and electric, electrical work <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. So, so. you can work on a tractor too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so handy. <laughs> uh, so Tom, uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but do you have any final thoughts about hoop house planting and growing and encouraging words for anybody who might be the slightest bit intimidated by the whole thing. Come on, you English major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make it, make it flowery. Well, I think, I mean, the, the biggest thing really when you're growing is kind of start beginning to develop this, you know, empathetic connection with the plants that you're growing. Yeah. Um, you know, let your ambitions run wild, but also kind of start small and, you know, start to start with the plants that you're most attracted to. The and, stuff you know you'll eat too. Yeah. And just really pay attention to them, you know, kind of start to understand their history, where they come from. Cause all these different species of plants that we grow comes from a different part of the world and a different climate. So, 
you know, pay attention to, you know, what they needed in the past and what they might need now. And you can start to develop a, a real sympathy for these creatures. You can find out more about Tom Becker and Nifty Hoops at niftyhoops.com. Our thanks to Tom for talking with us, to you for listening, and... We would like to thank LaMarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Joan Isabella is our executive producer with producer David Lyons and assistant producer Lisa Brancato, editing by Rowan Nemisto and production support provided by Studios on the Pond. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of Detroit's public radio station, WDET. 